Welcome to the 69th episode of the Hondo Handy Podcast, brought to you by The Look Optics, providing luxury prescription eyewear, a premium optic retailer providing the latest digital prescription lens technology paired with the luxury frame brands and accessories. With your personality, we've got the look. Located at 1411 South Salisbury Boulevard, Suite B. I call 443-210-2684. Or find them on the web at thelookoptics.com. My guest today is Duran Wills, owner and optician at the, the Look Optics. How you doing today, Duran? I'm good, Hondo. How you doing, man? Oh, man, fantastic. Thanks for having, to have you on. Thanks for having me on, man. It's an honor. Yes, and congratulations on everything you've been doing. Thanks so much, man. It's a blessing. Yes, it is. Hey, Duran, let me give my listeners a little bit about you before we get started. Okay. Duran is a graduate of Stephen Decatur High School and the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. At Decatur, he played three sports, basketball, football, and track and field. He played three sports each year he was in high school. He has uh, been in the optic industry for 16 years. Uh, he opened his own optic dispensary called the, the Look Optics in Salisbury uh, just a few months ago. He's the first black opti- op- optical owner in on the eastern shore of Maryland. Congratulations. Thanks so much, man. That's uh, You've had an impressive career. It was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Duran, tell my listeners a little bit about your upbringing and maybe where you grew up and if you had if you played any sports when you were in high school. Oh, absolutely. So um, I'm originally from Berlin, uh, born and raised, uh, lived there until, you know, I left to go to college. Uh, and then after college, I I moved to Salisbury, where I've been living uh, since about 2000 and I would say 2003. Uh, okay. But yeah, absolutely from Berlin, grew up on uh, Bottle Branch Road, which is uh, an extension of Bay Street and Flower Street. Um, and that's where I spent most of my life. All right. Now, did you play any sports before high school? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, as a kid, my, the first sport that I ever played was uh, soccer. Played indoor and, outdoor, out, indoor and outdoor soccer until about, I think we played until about sixth, sixth grade maybe. And then uh, once, honestly, once we realized uh, how much running we were doing in soccer, <laughs> we kind of... <laughs> Crossed back, crossed over into uh, you know, something else. I mean, we all we always always played basketball, but the first organized sports that I played was soccer. Um, played a little bit of pot winter football, um, and you know, rec league bas- basketball. And where did you play? Uh, you said indoor soccer. Where did you play that? So we played indoor soccer. We played for Berlin. Uh, I don't even know if they still have soccer leagues in Berlin, but we played for the uh, Berlin Rec Department, uh, and we. Uh, played at Berlin Middle School, which is now, yeah. I think, Berlin Intermediate School, uh, where we played indoor and outdoor. Okay. And I keep saying we, but my my whole team, my whole crew, like, we're, it's a bunch of us that grew up together. All of the, the class, Decatur's class of 1999 consists of probably about uh, 10 guys who we all grew up from kindergarten to graduation, and we all did all sports and everything together. That's why I keep saying we. Now, I, I understand that you guys stay in touch right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we try to get together as much as we can. So any type of like, you know, maybe home house gathering, 
housewarming, wedding reception. We we might just come together and, you know, do a house party together or something like that. But we always keep in touch. Nothing's changed. Excellent. Excellent. I want to ask you something that's off the, off the, uh, the questionnaire I have here. Um, have, do, does any of you guys play golf? So actually, that's funny that you asked. So um, Levon, my guy Levon Foreman, uh, plays a lot of golf. Um, okay. He, he played. Uh, he he was in he was in um, Iraq and Afghanistan during like some of some of the wartime back in around like uh, the early two thousands. And mm. since he's retired and been home, he said that golf has been really therapeutic uh, for him. So he's actually. Every couple of weeks, he calls me and tries to get me all out on the golf course. So that's something that I'm looking to get into, actually. I, my knees are kind of bad now, so I'm kind of looking for something else to do. Oh, I'm, I'm there with you with the knees. But, yeah, <laughs> golf is a relaxing um, relaxing sport. It can be frustrating, but I tell you what, it is challenging, and it makes you go out just like Levon doing. And I know Levon from way back when he was yeah. in my little programs. Yes, yeah, so little <laughs> Levon. Yep. Um, I'm glad he. I'm glad he made it home. Yes. Sir. So, so you went to Steve Nicator High School and graduated in 1999. Yeah. So, what what were some of the sports you played again, and, and who are your coaches? Uh, so football. Um, obviously, Mr. Knox was still there at the time. Um, and some of the assistants that I can remember was uh, Ernest Shockley and uh, okay. Joe uh, Joe Andrews uh, was a coach, but you know, Mr. Knox was right. the head coach for the football team. Basketball right. team, we were, we were coached by Bob Knox. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. We were coached by Bob Mitchell, and um, his assistants were Kukas uh, right. uh, uh, Byron Smith right. um, and Mr. Uh, Mr. Ken Growl, which was uh, Lance Growl's, who passed away our uh, junior year. But that was uh, Lance Growl's father. And then for oh, track, yeah. uh, and for track, we had Mr. Russo. Okay. That Lance, oh, he was something. Yeah, oh, boy. Yeah. That was unfortunate. So, um, you played some AAU basketball during high school or before high school? Yeah, during high school, I played for the Milford Sharpshooters, which is Coach Coverdale. Um, my I had a short stint with them, honestly, because um, at the time, you we had practices on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and it was in Milford, and you know, oh, wow. Milford to Milford to Berlin is about a ninety-minute drive. That's a long so drive. I mean, it could be an hour. But uh, right. sometimes it was hard for me at the time to uh, find transportation to get, you know, to and from. So uh, I, I tried out for uh, – they had two teams at the time, that a, a smaller team and, and, the, and the, obviously the older team. I tried out for the smaller team, and they bumped me up to the older team. But um, I actually didn't play long because the transportation for practice was killing me. Right. I certainly understand that. Uh, now, you, you played basketball, and uh, what position did you play? So I started out as a point guard, uh, you know, ninth, tenth grade. By the time I was a, a junior, I was a I was a small forward. Uh, okay. But, but the type of team that we had, we were pretty much running a almost like a four guard and a strong uh, a strong uh, power forward as the center. So everybody was either a, a shooting guard, point guard, or a small forward on the team. So you just, you know, you knew your role. We, we have been playing together since we were probably five or six. So everyone just knew their role. And if someone, you know, was out of position, we just followed, you know, we, we took that position. And we had no issues with it. Yeah, that's interesting. 
Uh, I played with a three guard offense, and you got four guard offense. I got top coach back right there. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were all jumpers though. Everybody, everybody was like under five, five ten, but we all could, you know, dunk and touch the rim. So we kind of just tried to we basically uh, just ran and and you know tried to out hustle everybody if if we could. So you you, you guys actually um, advanced to the two A regionals a, a few years uh, when you were there. Yeah, man, that's that's kind of a sore topic for me. Um, I, know. I don't know. We just always every year we, we that we advanced. We we did it my eleventh uh, grade year and twelfth grade year, and and both times we played against Dunbar, which at the time was like a powerhouse. Um, like I think three three out of their five starters ended up going to play Division One. Um, so we we were matched up against a tough squad both years, and and they beat us both times. We never made it past that. I, I certainly understand when you run up against some of those uh, uh, powerhouses because my team, first year going to uh, the college park, we ran up in the finals, ran into uh, Fairmont Heights. And <laughs> Fairmont Heights uh, at that time uh, had just dropped down to our uh, bracket, like, you know, our, our class. Yeah. Almost the entire team really was from Washington, D.C., yeah, yep, that's how it happens, man. It was something about that at the time. The two A bracket that we were in at the time was was a strong, strong bracket. Um, I feel like if we we would have probably won if we were even in, like I know Decatur's three A now. If we were three A then, I think we would have probably taken it. But that two A bracket was a tough one. Right, I certainly understand that. So then you you also played football. And yes, what sir. were your positions with football? Uh, defensive back, wide receiver. Um, and special teams, and they, they had a couple of like, uh, you know, different formats. We ran a hands team, which was typically set up with all uh, receivers and DBs for for certain situations. And uh, we had a team called Gun, which meant it was typically all the fast receivers on the field at one time. That was a fun time for me. I mean, I grew up loving basketball, and like basketball was my number one sport. But um, around my eleventh grade year. Uh, I started falling in love with football. Honestly, like it was, it was just a lot of fun. And you guys actually uh, won the Bayside Championship one one year. Yeah, we did. I can't remember if we, I, it was ninety eight, nineteen ninety eight. Yep, yeah, my my junior year. Um, we would have won our senior year. We had um, we had a oh man, we had a phenomenal uh, running back by the name my man Cortez Fuchs. Yes, and, I remember Cortez. Cortez, uh, man, he. Something happened with something happened with his eligibility, um, and one of the coaches—it's a rumor. I'm not sure how true it is, but one of the coaches that we had for our first three years transferred to Snow Hill, and so when we went into our senior year, there was right. like whispers about that coach uh, mentioning something about Cortez eligibility and not being eligible to play his senior year because he something like his freshman year he might have played like one snap of one game or something like that. And it took the whole year's eligibility. So he had to sit out that year. And uh, that was the year we were picked to win. And that's something, man. Yeah. yeah I, I think I remember him setting out a, a whole year. Yep. Being asked a hundred times why I wasn't playing. Yeah, that was a tough one, man. He was a beast. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> um, Durant, I'm asking you this because my podcast, one of the things my podcast does 
is share the journey of athletes across the country. And obviously, um, you're an athlete. And trying to see, uh, you know, uh, starting as an athlete and, and where you are today. Gotcha. Makes sense. So you also were involved with track and field. Yeah. Um, man, I won I won uh, the high jump. I want to man, that was a long time. I want to say 90. I want to say my junior year, I won high jump. And then my senior year, I was second in the state for high jump. But our overall team won the states, and uh, our four by one may have won. Our four by one team, or our four by two, one of them we won states, and one of them I'm not sure which one. I think it might have been your four by one hundred. But yeah, you, okay. you guys are like almost state champs in '98 and '99. Yes, sir. Wow! Congratulations on that. Thanks so much. Um, that was a long time ago. I missed all of that. It was fun. <laughs> and um, you had the high, Decatur high jump record uh, in 1998. Yeah, and I yeah. held it for some years, and then one of those young guys uh, came through and uh, beat me out, but I held it for some time. Hey, congratulations. Yeah. Now, you played three sports each year you were there. Uh, obviously, you played some JV. Yeah, so I played JV basketball. Um, okay. But uh, ninth and tenth grade, I played JV basketball. Okay. But everything else was varsity all the time. That's that's outstanding. Uh, I wanted to ask you: was, was there maybe one person that maybe encouraged you to play sports? And I played a lot of sports too, but I think someone encourages you to play. Yeah. Um. At the very beginning. Uh, my aunt actually, you had you had her on your podcast maybe a year or so ago. But my aunt Teresa, yeah, um, Teresa Waters, she actually at the time I was probably um, she she had a, a summer recreation recreational program that she did in Snow Hill every summer. She would come home, and uh, she probably put the ball in my hand at five or six, and I never I never stopped playing from then. So in the summers, I would probably say from age six until maybe. 13 or 14 um and all summer I was in I was in basketball camp at recreation or she would have me working out with with, with a personal trainer things like that probably from you know from, as far as I can remember up until I was a teenager well between between your dad and her I know now I know where you got all your talents from yep there you go <laughs> yes sir well after high school you decided to to attend UMES, uh, yes, University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Was that mm -hmm. your first choice, or were you considering other colleges? If I'm being honest, I, I really hadn't planned to go to college. Okay. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, uh, my senior year, I started a clothing company, and I and it was basically I was I was great in art. I was in like the only AP classes that I took in high school were AP art classes. Um, and I started this thing where I started drawing on clothing, like painting okay. T-shirts, painting jeans and jean jacks and stuff like that. So uh, I just developed this this clothing brand that I started selling uh, senior year and into you know graduating that summer. And at the time, uh, I hadn't really thought about college at all. I was just gonna, I don't know, figure it out. And uh, right. You know, my, my family, though, wanted me to go to college. Like I said, my Aunt Teresa and things like that. So uh, she's like, you know, why don't you just go to school? and You can major in fashion merchandising uh, and it may just lead you into whatever you want to do with this clothing thing. At the, 
around that time, I had kind of like, I'm not going to say I, I had given up on sports, but it wasn't like my main focus anymore. Um, so ended up going to UMS and I started out with one major, which was fashion merchandising. And then I uh, ended up with a double major marketing and that, I've been running with it ever since then. So um, I kind of, uh, uh, honestly, I, so through college, I didn't do, I didn't take out any loans. Um, I don't have any student loans or anything like that, but I honestly, uh, all through college, I cut hair, I sold clothes and that honestly helped fund my, my education. Um, so, uh, the clothing thing lasted probably from, uh, 2000 to probably about 2010. And then I just stopped. Like, I don't know. I lost, I lost the love for it. I, I felt like, um, I don't know, we just couldn't catch a break with it. I mean, people, the locals, you know, like everybody in my hometown loved it. Uh, everybody I went to college with loved it. They supported me uh, uh, a lot, but it got to a point where, like, I was I was going to, like, Vegas to these fashion expos and things like that and seeing how the fashion industry was moving, and I just felt like it wasn't going to be something that I was going to be successful doing. Uh, looking back at it now, if I had stayed at it, at least I probably would be uh, somewhere doing that still and making some money from it, but I stopped. I went ahead and put it on hold. Well, I'll tell you what, that, you, you're a hard worker. <laughs> Thanks. You're a hard worker and you're definitely an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think I've had the entrepreneurial spirit for, for since I can remember. Like It was always something that I, I had aspirations to do or was doing. And you're also a a, um, a a promoter. Yeah, so I um I I do party promote. Well, I, I still do it, but I used to I used to be heavy into party promotion. Uh, okay. I had my own booking agency uh, called Studio Company, and basically what I did uh anyone that wanted to have a party or throw a party and they needed like a celebrity or a rapper or any any person of the sorts uh they could book it through me. Like I had the relationships where I could just, you know, make a call or two and uh, get a price and, and get the people into town for whatever they needed. Um, and I did that for probably about, you know, 12 years, 12 to 15 years, just as, as on the side, it was just easy, you know, side money. It was easy to do. It was easy for me to make the connections for the people. So it was just a way to bring in some extra income, honestly. Oh man. That's, I tell you what, you got a lot of talents. <laughs> Thanks so much. So, so after you graduated from UBS, um, you know, what what did you do? What was the first thing you did? So the first thing that I did, I was a senior sales and marketing consultant for FedEx. Uh, and the job was sweet. Uh, I had they gave me a company car. You know, I wore a suit and tie every day. Uh, it was love. I, I actually enjoyed it. And I did that from 2003 to 2007. And then in 2007, uh, just me being a little wild and reckless. Um, yes. I, had a, I had a motorcycle accident. Oh, and, um, and I broke I broke my neck, my back, my shoulder. I had uh, like a subhematoma blood clot on my brain. Uh, it was a lot going on. And in the position that I had, um, it was a competitive position. So they needed someone in that spot um, right. constantly. And when they got news that I had broken my neck, they automatically assumed like, this this guy might not even walk again. So uh, yeah. they put me on leave. They still paid me um, for a little while, but they put me on leave. But I realized that probably a, a month or two after they had already hired someone in the position. So I knew that 
I wasn't going to get the spot back. And I ended up, uh, I probably was able to, I healed up and was probably able to go back to work in about six months. So somebody was praying wow. for me. Yes. And you had a lot of injuries <laughs> there. Six months is a, a, a quick a recuperation. Yeah. So I, was, I mean, I was still healing, but I was able to, you know, move around and at least I could have went back to work if, if, I, if the spot was available. So were you working on that job with the FedEx in Salisbury? Yes, correct. Oh, okay. Um, so once you recuperated, uh, what was your next uh, step in life? So once I recuperated, I had to, I kind of had to start from scratch. Um, okay. I just really didn't know what I wanted to do. I had so many things that I could do, but really just still not really knowing what I wanted to do. And at the time um, of the accident, my 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 daughter's mother at the time was pregnant with her, uh, and she was probably I would say mm, she was about three or four months pregnant. So. Uh, First, I just wanted to thank God because I could have passed away and never met my daughter. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. um, yes. that was that was a blessing. But I knew I had a baby on the way and I had to figure it out. I had to figure out, you know, what my next move was going to be. And I'm a new I was going to be a new dad and my first child. And I was panicking. So I just went into like uh, I went online and went to like, you know, at the time it was like career builder and monster dot com where you okay. look, go look for jobs. And I saw a um, optometric tech. Uh, job, which is normally uh, a job that's kind of more so I hate to say it's, it's more of a female job. Right. And uh, but I had no idea what it was. I just applied. I was just online applying for anything that was available. Uh, right. So they, they called me back and uh, I went in on an interview uh, and the, the regional manager at the time, at the time, still one of my buddies, uh, an older gentleman who uh, we just have great relationship, great conversation still. Uh, but he told me that, you know, he liked my personality. He loved that at the time. I guess it was a time where like when people like going in for interviews, it was around the time where people I kind of noticed that people don't really dress up for any interviews anymore. Um, and it was around that time where people were going from like you would dress up like and you're almost your Sunday's best for an interview. And now people were coming to interviews in like jeans and things like that. But I came in in a full suit and, you know, I had my resume with me. And he liked just everything about my personality and character. And he was like, hey, look, the job that you applied for, you're probably not going to want. Uh, but I do have an entry level uh, dispensing optician position. I had no idea what that was, but I told him I was interested in learning, you know, exactly what it was. And if he would have me, I would absolutely take the job. So, uh, you know, they offered me the job. So funny story leading into that. I think it was probably about two weeks or so left before. Um, I started the position. Um, so I'll never forget it. Uh, February 1st, uh, 2007 was supposed to be my first day of work. And I called out. I had to call out of work on my first day because <laughs> my, my daughter's mom went into labor. Oh, my God. And so uh, I called in and he laughed about it. And we still joke about it now. He just was like, look, if you ever had to call in on your first day of work, this is probably the best excuse that someone could use. So uh, <laughs> he was like, go ahead and, you know, handle your business and uh, right. we'll see you next week. So wow. that's how it started. Um, so and how long were you employed at that job? Uh, so I was there. I was there for uh, a little over 15 years. Uh, 
And that's how I count my years because of my daughter's age. So I started, you know, because I was supposed <laughs> to start on her birthday, technically. Um, so every year that I was there, you know, she turned another another year old. Um, so I was there for uh, the entire time that she was alive. And then uh, just uh, two years ago, um, the the job, uh, I mean, we noticed like little things that were that were happening throughout the job at the time where we thought like things may have been like going downhill or it might be some like a closure. And, you know, the company owned maybe nine or 10 offices and a couple of the offices. Like I worked in a corporate office. So some of the offices that were like satellite offices started shutting down and we noticed like, excuse me, it was almost like a downsize thing going on. So we kind of knew that, you know, our number was coming. Uh, So, you know, the company closed. They uh, sent us an email. Uh, The owner of the company actually texted everyone uh, on a on a Tuesday and asked us for our emails. And then on Wednesday morning, sent out a mass email and just said, you know, hey, don't come to work today. Company is closed. And uh, that was the end of it. That had to be a heartbreaker there. Uh, It was, man, it really was. It was a lot. Uh, Now, don't get me wrong. I can't say anything bad personally about the job. I, I got more out of that job than I probably should have. You know what I mean? Like I learned so much, met great people, people that were more like family. Um, You know, I just, I learned a lot. They bailed me out on a lot of situations where like, I probably like, it would be things where like, I would just do dumb stuff and they still would take me back. Like uh, I can just remember one thing. I, uh, I went home for lunch one day. And got to my house. I lived about five minutes from where I was working. Okay. I went home. For, I went home for lunch one day and fell asleep on the couch. That's <laughs> happened before. <laughs> and I woke up. At, let's say this is like one o'clock in the day, and I woke up and it was like six p.m. Had about thirty <laughs> missed calls. And <laughs> and it's funny though because <laughs> just the people that I work with and the management at at the job. They weren't calling to to scream at me or or to scold me or anything. They were calling just to make sure I was okay. You know right. what I mean? Okay. So that just lets you know the mindset of the people that I work with. Like it was a family, so it wasn't like uh, even though I had made a mistake, they weren't calling me to like say you're fired or scream on me. They was like, "Man, are you alright? You good? You, you didn't come back from work? We worried. You know what I mean? Right. And, and you know things like that. So I can honestly say I got a lot out of the job. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't take back anything that happened as far as uh, the good or the bad, honestly, because I, I, I tell everyone today, like if I if the place never closed, I would still be content. I would still be comfortable and I'd still be working there. Yeah. So I wouldn't be where I am today if they hadn't closed, honestly. Yeah, it's a good learning opportunity. Yep, absolutely. So then you decide the. Um... What made you decide to open your own business? So the company shut down in February of this is 20. They shut down in February of 2020 um, and mid February 2020. And then about two weeks later, the world was introduced to COVID. Yes. And we pretty much went on a. A, a, a lockdown where you know everyone was in the house nothing was going on uh right. even if you wanted a job at that time you like the companies were closing because you know yeah. they were having us on the shutdown 
So at that time, I just started looking at my options. Um, I knew a lot of my friends that worked with me started working at other optical spaces and, uh, you know, local optical shops around town. And right. I looked at that and then looked at myself. I, I was like, look, I have 15 years in. I worked for this one company the entire time. It was kind of like I, I could kind of I'm not. Well, let's say I could kind of come in when I wanted, leave when I wanted. It was like a seniority thing. And I didn't want to go to another optical space and start over. And start I didn't, didn't want to come to work at eight in the morning. I didn't want to learn a new system. I didn't want to learn a new program. I just didn't want to do it. So I had to look uh, at myself in the mirror and say, look, you work for this company for 15 years. At the, at the end of the day, you've learned every department. You've learned insurance just from hanging out in the insurance department. You learn how the lab work just from hanging out in the lab. You know every aspect of the company. You've been kind of like helping run the company, so to speak, in certain terms and ways. Uh, so why not just do it yourself? Huh? Makes and, sense. and that's kind of like the harsh reality of it. The, I started the business, honestly, because I didn't want to work at 8 a.m. for someone else. <laughs> I understand. So, but what what was the moment that you made that decision? Well, honestly, the idea was always in my head for about three years prior. Uh, me and one of my coworkers at that at the time used to always joke about like, man, we should open our own. We should open our own. We should open our own. And it, at the time, it was like a joke. You know what I mean? We had a we had a name. I think we were going to call it like legendary eyes or something we had. But it was <laughs> all just joking. Like we had a name for it and all types of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So it was always something that I was thinking about. It was in the back of my mind, but I was just so comfortable and content with having a job, knowing the schedule, knowing that a paycheck was going to come. Um, I just never took that leap. Um, so, you know, when they closed, it, it was almost like a blessing, but I just knew that uh, I knew so much about the business, but there was a lot that I didn't know as far as like the backside of it, meaning I didn't know how to set up an account to get lenses. I didn't know who to go through the buy the frames and, you know, all of that stuff. But I knew that in every department that I needed, there was someone or a relationship that I had established over the years that had someone that I could call. So, uh, so I started out with, with lenses because I was like, look, I can't sell glasses if I can't get lenses. So uh, the lens rep at the time uh, my buddy named Francesca. And uh, I just, um, well, the company had two people a guy named Andre, who I met uh, a, a while ago, and we kind of developed a rapport. And it was a female named Francesca who I had developed a relationship with. So the first thing I did, I felt a little more comfortable with my guy, Dre. So I called him and he was like, look, I work for the lens company, but I don't work in the department that sets up like new accounts and things like that. So it'll probably be best if you talk to Francesca. So I was like, OK, cool. So he put me uh, with Francesca. And she was the person that I needed to speak with. But I was nervous about it because I didn't know the process. I didn't know if you needed, you know, $50,000 in the bank to show that you, you know, could float, you know, for right. months without work. I didn't know if it was an ex like a, you had to have history or, you know, a certain credit score or what. I just had no clue. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to call and ask. If I don't if I don't ask, I won't know. That's so I right. called Francesca and I was like, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. 
And I told myself, which is dumb now that I think about it, but I told myself if she says no or she gives me any type of like, if it's any conflict or it's going to take, you know, some extra steps than what I planned on having to do, I wasn't going to do it at all. So if she told me no, if she told oh. me it's going to be uh, hard to do, I was just not going to do it. And I was going to go find a job. So I oh. called, uh, called Francesca, told her what I wanted to do. And she was like, oh, my God. When do you want to start? Let's start now. She was like, we have a, a cold start program, which is which will be perfect for you. Let's set it up. And wow. I promise you, every step from every manufacturer, every company, every rep, it's been the easiest, smoothest transition that I've ever, ever experienced. And the, the thing that I always preach about uh, starting this and doing it this way like, I didn't have to alter anything about me. Like, I didn't have to dress a certain way. I didn't have to speak a certain way. I didn't have to look a certain way. Everyone welcomed me with open arms and gave me any advice, any help that I needed. Every person that I called kind of laid out the red carpet for me. And and that, that alone within itself is the biggest blessing because I know and I see people who struggle with like endeavors and things that they want to do. And they have so many roadblocks that discourage them and their confidence plays a big part in doing, you know, something that they want to do when it comes to chasing their dreams. Um, this was never a dream for me. Like this was never something that I grew up thinking I wanted to do or wanted to be. I, it's just something that happened. And once I, I've been in this industry so long and learned so much from it, I figured that I could do the same thing and put my own twist on it. There's so many things that I've learned from traveling and just being, you know, around the, the, the nation. And, and I was able to implement all of that into, into my own thing and, and put my own personal touch on it and give it something that's absolutely different. My, you know, one of my slogans is, it's just different. And it's, and it's absolutely just different. It's something that you're never gonna get anywhere else on the Eastern shore when it comes to optics, like I'm totally different from everyone else. And a part of that is because I'm my true, my, my true self within it. And I feel like that's, that's like the best part of this. This is what makes it like every day I wake up and I'm ready to go to work. It's not like I'm going <laughs> to a job that I hate. I'm not going to a job that, you know, I'm just working because I need to pay my bills. Like, I love it. The interaction with the people, uh, just hearing people come into my, my showroom and and just how amazed they are and how it looks, how it smells, what the music is like, the brightness is just like a fulfilling feeling. Well, I'll tell you what, you're off to a great start. And you're right. I'll tell you what, right now I'm rocking my sporty pumas right now. <laughs> yeah, man. I appreciate you for coming in, man. Had a lot no of fun with you. No problem. So you opened in April. So I opened, uh, so actually, uh, take you back a little bit. I registered my LLC in March of 2020. And okay. for that summer during COVID, I did something called mobile fitting. And basically I set up a, a, a website where you could book appoints, appointments with me and I would come to your home, your office, uh, or, and, and I would fit you for glasses as if you were at an optical space. And I basically did that throughout the entire pandemic to raise money to to uh, do the construction to open my showroom. And then I opened the showroom on uh, March 29th. Wow. 
Man, what a great endeavor. So, so I started, I registered the business in March of 2020 and I opened my showroom in March of 2020. Okay. So um, when, when did you have your ribbon cutting? I did the ribbon cutting on March 27th, which was the Saturday before the Monday that I opened. Okay. Oh, actually. So that you had, you had a good turnout uh, from the whole community, looked like. Yeah, man, it was a great time. I had some of the, you know, some of my closest family, friends, and associates come out and just show support and love. Everybody dressed up real nice. We had some good food, uh, good music. It was it was a vibe, man. Like it was something that I've never, you know, been a part of. And I was just happy to see um that, you know, everyone that came out to show love. It like I always say, it was a blessing. All right, and some good publicity. Oh, absolutely. The news came out, uh, WMDT, shout out them. Um, Jordy came through and uh, my guy Trayvon Miles put it all together for me. Um, and they came out and, you know, did a little interview. And uh, that video from the news really was like a springboard for me. Uh, for my first probably five weeks of business uh, thing I do, if I don't know you when you come into the showroom, the first thing I ask you is, how'd you hear about us? And 95% right. um, of the people that came in those first six weeks said that they saw us on the news. They just wanted to support. So oh, it, it was definitely a, a, a great help. So, um, so so you're off to a good start, sounds like. Yes, you, sir. You're happy with where you're at right now? Yeah. Man, it's, it's more than what I expected. The support okay. has been unbelievable. I can't thank people enough for just stopping in. Even if you don't come in and purchase, you know, just come and stop in and say, hey, you know, I love what you're doing. I love I love your showroom. I, I just want to come in and, and tell you congratulations. Like, that means a lot, believe it or not. Uh, it's not always about monetarily. You know, it's not always about the money. Like, you know, the money will come. You treat people right. So, um I know that you know we're on the right path. Well, I'll tell you what, word of mouth is going to help you a lot in this area. Absolutely. Uh, um, I know um, your support's been coming from Princess Anne, Maryland, Delaware so far. I've, I've seen it on your uh, on Facebook. It's all good, Princess Anne. Right. Uh, what? Who's been the furthest so far to come into your and 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 buy prescription glasses? So the farthest, so yeah, that's another thing that I do. I ask, how'd you hear about us? And I ask everyone where they're from because I kind of like take a tally for myself just to know what's working and what's not, how they heard about us, what I can do differently, what I can change. Um, so, so far, the farthest has been a lady from Connecticut. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Man, that's, that's, that's great. That's what you yeah. want to hear. That's exactly what you want to hear. Yeah, now, but um, you know, as an athlete, can you tell me how, uh, even in your business, how sports has impacted your life? Uh, so, when I, I guess you know, when you're running a business, when you're in control of the business, when like you're the go-to guy, is almost like look. I kind of look at it as like the captain of a team, right? Um, so, you know, you got to prepare, which is something that if I'm being honest in the business aspect, that's probably my my biggest weakness. Like I'm the type of person before this, I'd say I was the type of person that did everything on the fly and, and the results just seemed to work. Um, right. But I wasn't a planner. I wasn't a guy who sat and wrote things down and planned, planned it out. Um, but 
with this business, I feel like being a captain of the team and just preparing yourself for the day, the week, the month, the year when it comes to business is crucial. Uh, but at the same time, being a captain of a team, you also need to know when to take the back seat or when to listen to advice. So I feel like uh, that's kind of the best like scenario that I could give. Um, even though I'm the captain of the team, which is, you know, my company, I still know that sometimes I have to listen to the coach or listen to, you know, someone who's been in the in the industry a lot longer than me, who just wants to, you know, give me some advice on some things that I might want to try or some things that I might want to, you know, change or, you know, implement a little bit later. So it, it just taught me, you know, to be humble, uh, to listen, pay attention. I'm watch. I watch everything. Uh, you know, I pay attention to everything. I tweak things just like, you know, calling a timeout and running a play. Like, I, I, you know, it, I, on the fly, I'm, I'm, I'm changing constantly, like whether it be, OK, this this frame manufacturer didn't work out for me. It's, I might have ordered 24 pieces and there's 20 of them on the shelf. But this other frame manufacturer, I ordered 24 pieces and I have none left. So I know that this works for me. So this is what I'm going to do from here on out. Things like that. So uh, I think uh, sports and just being uh, on a team and being being coachable. Um, and being able to listen and, you know, comprehend and, 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 and run plays and understand plays works the same way in business. Excellent answer. Um, okay, back to your sports thing here. What would you tell a kid uh, about following their dreams? Uh, man, I would just tell them, don't, don't stop. Keep going. My, one of the words I always use a lot or phrases I use a lot is keep going because uh, it sounds cliche. But even when I look back at, you know, the clothing companies and brands that I've developed and I've stopped just randomly woken up and said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. When that next day could have been the day where, you know, I was probably would have been discovered by someone or, you know, gotten that 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 big jump that I needed. So I would right. just say keep going. Um, a lot of people say, you know, take a break, but don't stop. You know what I mean? And right. I would just say that's that's the main thing I would say. Keep going. And I know, you know, uh, our parents sometimes have our best interests at heart, but no one can see your vision but you, you know. So uh, I, I know sometimes you're your parents, they want the best for you when you're growing up. So right. if they work, if they, you know, worked a job for 30 years and that's what worked for them, they were able to provide for you, put food on the table and get you everything that you needed. Clearly, your parent is going to say to you, you need to get a job and work at this job for 30 years because right. this is what I've done. Uh-huh. And they, they're telling you that out of love, but they're not telling you that out of respecting and understanding that you might have a dream or a vision. And you have your own mind to think for yourself in that aspect. So I would encourage like parents as well, just to kind of like, even if your kid has, has an idea that you think is absurd, like give them a little bit of a cushion to, to play around with it and see what happens before you shut it down completely. I like that. Keep going. Yep. Um, what role would you say good sportsmanship plays in youth sports? Um, Man. I feel like when I was playing sports as a kid, um, 
we all got frustrated and we all were competitive and we all wanted to win. But at the end of the day, we were all still like family. So we, we learn. And I think that starts with respect. So at home, we learn respect from our parents. Right. And so we carry that onto the court, the field, whatever we were playing, we still, even though we wanted to win and for that for the moment that the clock is ticking, you may not be my friend, but I still respect you. And that's a part of sportsmanship. And I feel like now, like more so currently we've as kids, the kids are losing respect. They don't really, I not, not all kids obviously, but right. the majority of kids right now, I feel like are losing the respect, the respect for elders, the respect for themselves. Like it's, it's like we're losing that generation of like those older grandmothers that taught us and instilled those things into us. We're, it's, I feel like we're losing that. And I feel like we need we need to try and figure out how to get that back because I, I see it every day. Like a lot of these kids uh, out here now, they, they just don't have respect. Yeah, I, you, you're right. Um, it's just a new gen. It's a new generation of grandmothers. And uh, yeah. they don't you know, think the same way sometimes as, right. as grandmothers did. Exactly. Um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you, you have been a promoter, and I, I remember you you doing something with the Gladden Rice Alumni Basketball Tournament, Steve McCater. Right. So uh, basically, uh, with that, what that was was I had an idea. And I, I had an idea. So me and my guys that, you know, the, the group of people that I told you about that, you know, I've been with since kindergarten, we right. we get together all the time. So I had an idea that was going to bring everybody together in my mind. I wanted to be kind of like a I wanted to set the vibe of like a a old school high school homecoming game, but with all types of decades, like people from all era. It's just coming together and it's just being like a hometown annual, excuse me, annual thing. So right. I developed this alumni basketball tournament called Bragging Rights. And uh, right. I reached out to BJ Johnson, shout out to BJ, uh, head coach of Stephen Decatur basketball team, oh, and yeah. just ran the idea by him. And he thought it was a great idea. So basically, um, you know, I just put together the, the format, the structure. Uh, went about uh, reaching out to everyone, trying to organize and create teams and, and you know, structuring the tournament and formatting it out. And um, we decided, you know, because it was an alumni tournament, um, you know, obviously, you know, we you, people play in tournaments and things like that and they they get trophies and things like that. But we really just wanted to do it to have bragging rights, because as kids, we there were people that we looked up to that played sports. And then as we played sports and came along, there were younger kids that looked up to us. So it was always like a conversation about if your era, the team that was in your era played against our team, we would beat them by 20 or 50 points. And someone oh, would yeah. say, well, if you played against Hondo's team in your <laughs> prime, they would have cleaned the floor with you. So it was one of those things where, it was like, okay, well, let's set it up and see what happens. You know what I mean? Right, just, right. just, you know, having fun and having that that bragging rights. You know, yeah. after every every year. Um, so Absolutely. we just went ahead and put that thing together, and uh, we, you know, every year we, I, I would donate a hundred percent of the proceeds to the basketball program for Stephen Decatur, just to, you know, kind of give back. And uh, we done it, you know, three or four years. And uh, oh, the first year, I think we uh we bought like a shootaway machine, and then the next year I, we bought uh. 
warm-ups for the team and you know just things like that for me it was right. just fun it, it wasn't it wasn't about making any money or anything like that it was just something fun to do and and bringing people together in, in the hometown and having a great time and it certainly was great for the community yep. and i was there too <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> um, is there is there anything else you would like to add um, no, nah, I think we covered it. I just want people to come and, and check me out at the Look Optics over in Salisbury, Maryland. I think I'll have something for everyone. Our slogan is uh, bring your personality. We have the look. And that basically means no matter who you are, where you're from, color, age, demographic, background, we have glasses that you'll love. So come in and get the look. We have something for everyone. Yes, sir. Well, I do want you to pick up that golf club and you know, your, your grandmother and I are still involved in that Berlin Minority Scholarship Committee, and for sure, our biggest fundraiser is a golf tournament. Although with COVID, the last few years we haven't had opportunity to do it, but we're coming back next year. Right, so, I know for sure. I hear all about it. Anytime I see her when it's <laughs> around that time, she's definitely pumping it into my head, telling me that I need to do something to be a part of it. So trust me, um, I'm gonna end up on the golf course at some point. Yeah, get 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 LeVar, get the boys together for a go. You can start now. You got a whole year. Yeah, yeah, I can I can start right now. <laughs> Next year I'll be ready for you. Yes, because it's it's usually in the third week of July. So right there, yeah. you still got a whole year. But you don't have to be good. The part if you have time, you know, the you know, you just need uh you say it was Levon, right? Yeah, Levon. Levon, uh all you need is Levon. Yeah. You know, Levon yeah, hits the good hits the good shot. All the other three of you try to hit from where Leon hit. He hits right. the next shot again. You go wherever he hit from, and maybe you get on there. You can put one in. If not, just follow Just follow him, and that's For just sure. a fun day. Well, hold me to it. Hold me to it. All right. Well, on that note, I guess I'll bring our podcast to an end. The, <clears throat> the 70th uh, episode of the Hondo Handed Podcast has been brought to you by The Look Optic, providing luxury prescription eyewear a premium optic, optical retailer, providing the latest digital prescription lens technology paired with luxury frame brands and accessories. Like you said, bring your past personality, we got the look. Located at 1411 South Salisbury Boulevard, Sweet B, uh, in, in Salisbury, Maryland. Call 443-210-2684 or find them on the web at the thelookoptics.com. My guest today has been Duran Welly, owner of the Look Optics. Remember, Duran, if you think you can, you can. For sure. Thank you. Stay safe and keep smiling. Thanks for having me. God bless. Uh, thank you. God bless you. I'm back.